surprise, surprise. That's the theme for today's show. We're talking about our pleasant surprises and our not-so-pleasant surprises this year. Adam Azer, Al Melky, or Scott White on Tuesday, September 13th. It's Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll do three up, three down in the rotation. We'll look at some injuries. And then Scott and Al get to kind of reflect on this season, talk about ten players who have surprised them. Five good surprises, five bad ones. Let's start the show. Three up, number one, Starlin Castro. He has a career-high 13-game hitting streak. Monday, he homered, drove in three, scored four runs. Where does Starlin Castro get drafted next year, Al Melchior? Well, you know, I think he is going to be one of the top shortstop options. Not, I wouldn't say elite, but just below. So that's, that's probably good enough to get him drafted uh, within the first uh, eight to ten rounds, I would say. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly not early, but, uh, you know, his stock is rising. I, I have him as the clear number six at the position. You know, Troy Tulowitzki, Jose Reyes, is Drupal Cabrera. They've pretty much been the top three all year. You still have Hanley there. Jimmy Rollins has had kind of a bounce-back season. Uh, but, but to me, Castro is clearly the next best guy after that group. And what I like uh, that I've seen from him, especially lately, nine home runs this season, six since the All-Star break, including five in August. So if he gets to the point, as he seems to be, that he can be a double-digit homer guy, uh, he might close that gap between that top five even further. B.J. Upton, three up number two. 11 hits in five games, two home runs in his last seven games. But oddly enough, he has not attempted a stolen base this month. So this was a guy that I felt like was overstarted for a lot of the year, a guy that you could justify sitting, and he was always started in almost all of our leagues, and he's right now started in 81% of leagues. But he's playing very well right now. Well, he is playing well right now, but, I mean, he's been top 30, 35 out in a top 35 outfielder pretty much the whole season. So, you know, even though he's never really risen above that, and I think the season's been a bit of a disappointment for Upton, um, I don't have too much of a problem with him being started in 90-plus percent but of leagues. you say it's been a disappointment for Upton. It's been that way every Forever. year for him. This is the third straight year in a row of pretty much the exact same numbers, which, I mean, it's getting to the point now where – well, Still at least you his... know how to project him, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> still in his mid-20s, but I, I, I think there's still going to be a certain percentage of fantasy owners that drafts him a lot earlier than they should. And he's a 240 hitter, 230 hitter maybe. So, yeah. um, and, and if uh, he, he doesn't hit the 40 steal threshold this year, that's going to be even reason to even more reason to doubt him. Okay, it's a little hard to ignore what Delman Young has been doing for the Tigers. Three for three Monday, scored twice, drove in a run. And if you're still alive in your league, he is available in 32% of leagues. You know, I was a little surprised looking at his numbers with the Tigers because it seems like he's always doing something good ever since he's gotten traded over there. And the improvement over what he did with the Twins this year is pretty dramatic. But, you know, that again, that's not saying too much because he's pretty miserable uh, he's still not – his batting average is a little higher than it was last season, but the uh, on-base numbers, which are never good for Dumb and Young, and the power numbers are behind where they were last year uh, as a whole. Yeah. Uh, and, I'd say still, Tigers compared to last year. And, and still during this, uh, this hot stretch, there hasn't been a lot of extra base hits. Right, yeah. So I think we always kind of figured the, the batting average would come around for Young because he's consistently 290 every year, but – um, the the twenty homer power that made him such a a big fantasy option last year, it's still lacking. Willingham or Young, I would go with Willingham. I would too. 
Jason Bay or Delman Young? Uh, that's a little closer to me. I think I'd still go with Jason Bay, at least while he's streaking like he is now. Three down. Steve Lombardozzi got his first hit as a major leaguer. But he's in three down because he's one for 16 since being called up by Washington. So it really hasn't been there for Lombardozzi just yet. Any hope for this guy? Not a lot, really. I mean, he has had a nice season in the minors this year. Uh, but it's not clear why the Nationals love this guy so much. Um He's always profiled as sort of a utility type. That's how scouts have seen him. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say, okay, 16 at bats, one hit. You know, that proves that he's, he's not going to be a major league star, but uh, nothing to get excited about yet. Okay. Evan Longoria went 0 for 5 to drop his average to 238. Thoughts on his season, which has been an injury-filled one. Well, I don't know about filled, but he's had it's, some injury problems. And yeah. just overall, disappointing. It's... it's it's been an interesting season for him. I, I wouldn't say disappointing because you look at the third baseman rankings, he's right there. I, I think he's gotten up to the top five considering the time he's missed. Uh, that That's not so bad. He's actually homering at a better pace than he had the last couple seasons. He had actually been kind of a disappointment power-wise, and, and those numbers have gone up. The batting average has suffered, but I'm not sure... I'm not sure those are connected. You talk about the injuries. He has a foot problem going on uh, with a nerve issue there where, uh, you know, if he steps on it wrong, it, it sends a jolt of pain through him. And, it, and I imagine it's hard to play like that. So uh, that would probably be the bigger yeah. reason, I, I think, for the low batting average. So I'm not discouraged at all by his season is the point I'm getting at. If anything, I, I feel... A little better, knowing he can still be he can be a potential thirty homer guy. Uh, when I'd been so, sort of doubting that coming into the year. Yeah, well, it's really interesting that you mentioned the homers because uh, I had a note about that as well. And not only is he homering at a higher pace, he's making contact at a higher pace. So you would think you combine those two things, the batting average would be going up, not down. Uh, but he's got what I think of as Mark Teixeira disease, which is that he is hitting a lot more fly balls than he used to, same as Teixeira, and with more flies come not only more homers, but more pop-ups. So um, their lines actually are really similar. Uh, Teixeira's batting 248, Longo 238. Uh, the slugging percentages, the on-base, it's all kind of similar. Okay. Well, I just said disappointment because first no. round, second round draft pick. I agree. Yeah. Well, I, uh, under, understandable, but again, look at the position and where he yeah. ranks at it. I mean, I, I guess a, a mild disappointment, but... Uh, yeah, if, if I own Longoria, I, I don't think I'd really be depressed right now. Peter Borges is 3-for-20 with one home run, which is, you know, it's, a home, it's better than zero in his last five games. 3-for-20. We still have faith in Peter Borges. I mean, I, I wasn't really looking at that hot streak in August as, as a breakthrough for him. Just looking at a strikeout-to-walk ratio and, and the fact that he was never a big-time power hitter in the minors, that month seemed a little too good to be true. So uh, I see this as him coming back down to earth. Let's look at the rotation now. Five pitchers from Monday's games who caught our eye. I heard an interesting stat about Felix Hernandez. He struggled last night against the Yankees. His first pitch batting average last year, first pitch of an at-bat, opponents were hitting 197. This year, going into yesterday's game, 345. So they are jumping on pitches and having more success. What does that mean, if anything, to you, Al? Nothing, at least until I have, because that's an interesting stat, and 
you know, with such a big discrepancy, it must mean something. But are they swinging more often on the first pitch or not? I, I, I think so. I mean, the explanation that I heard last night from Al Leiter, which was just a guess, mm-hmm. was you don't want to fall behind the count against a guy <laughs> with this kind of stuff. Yeah. You jump on the first pitch. Yeah. You know, I, I, something to look in further without – you know, seeing what the the swing percentages are and all that, I have absolutely no idea what to make of it, and I'm not even really sure what to make of the season because most of his numbers are pretty much the same as last year. It's it's really it's a babip thing yeah. for for Felix because um, he's still striking out guys, he's still got good control, uh, but he is uh, giving up harder contact when when batters are are uh, hitting off him this year. So, but the babip over the course of his whole career has been a little closer to normal this year. Still below yes. normal, but closer to normal than it was last year. Yeah, it's been really low the previous two seasons. R.A. Dickey continues to pitch well. This is a guy you might want to consider adding if you're in daily leagues or for next week or whatever. It yeah, is. he should have been added a long time ago. Yeah, he's owned in 56% of leagues and 10 quality starts in a row for R.A. Dickey. And it just seems like those starts get better and better. I know he lost last night, but 7Ks in seven innings, two earned runs. I've been leaning on him in the playoffs in the podcast league, and so far I'm doing well with it, so I like him. Brett Myers finishing the season strong. Eight innings, one earned against the Phillies. You have hope for him to rebound next year? I'm going to surprise myself by saying yes, Ah. uh, because I've been down on him the whole season, Uh, but since the beginning of July, 87 and two-thirds innings, nine home runs, which is not a great ratio, but so much better than in April, May, and June. Huge improvement there. Okay, guys, you are so far off to a good start with Jeff Neiman. This was the hot topic of Sunday's show. He had a two-start week against the Orioles and the Yankees. But it, I, is he p- pitching against the Yankees this week? Because I thought they had... The, oh, no, it's the, it Red, the Red Sox. Sox. It's the Red okay. Sox. Yeah. And then they play the Yankees. Okay, so Neiman has the Orioles and then the Red Sox. Well, I didn't think he was a good start. You guys said, you know what, go for it. And seven innings, two earned runs, six hits, two walks, five strikeouts. So the first one against Baltimore was good. Yeah. yeah. Got the win, too. Uh, I think this makes it worthwhile, unless yeah. he just gets completely pounded <laughs> for like eight runs in an yeah. inning against Boston. I think we were both banking on him doing well in this Orioles start. And I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sweating it a little bit, but I still thought the odds were good he could put up numbers like this. Two below-average starts in a row now for Zach Britton. Both of them were five innings, four runs. The Yankees and the Rays got him. So have you lost your confidence in Zach Britton? No, not not too much, and it's the reverse of Neiman. Uh, Britton gets his easier start later in the week, so he'll face the Angels on Sunday. They've got Joel Pinheiro going, so those are... Uh, some good good factors in uh, Britain's favor. I think still think he could be a good start this week. Injuries, news, and notes, fellas. The Rays call up Matt Moore. He will pitch in relief. So does he have any value, or should he be unowned? In long-term keeper leagues, he should oh, yeah, be yeah, owned. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> the best. Uh, I would say he's the best pitcher who still has rookie eligibility in uh, in the majors or the minors. The best pitching prospect, basically. Could he be a huge factor next year? Oh yeah. Own this man, Matt Moore, for the Rays. Carlos Quentin is off the DL. Chase Utley is scheduled to return to the lineup Thursday. Alex Rodriguez may not be back until Friday. Logan Morrison looks like he'll miss the Braves series, maybe come back later this week. Later this week, but he will also miss both games of the doubleheader against the Phillies. So that's important because that's the difference between a three-game week at best and a five-game week at best. Unfortunately, it's the three-game scenario that uh, is the best case for Morrison this week. Do we have an update on Brian Wilson? He threw 19 pitches, but he's still on the DL. So he's going to rest for two days, and the Giants will decide how to move forward. Is that really all we know right now? Pretty much. 
Okay, I could have I could have done that one. <laughs> you did. Barry Zito off the DL. Does he replace anyone in the rotation or stay in the pen? Well, actually, neither really. He's not going to replace anybody in the rotation on any kind of you know regular basis over these last couple of weeks. But Bruce Bochy says he'll be a floater, basically meaning if they need to give somebody a rest in the rotation, they'll plug him in with a spot start. But I would say your expectation for Zito should be pretty much long relief. What about your expectation for Sir Camp? He pitched yesterday. Uh, I'm still a little worried about the uh, upcoming start at Colorado. So, you know, I think that'll tell us something there. That's a big test for him. Mike Stanton, not back in the lineup, didn't start, but he did pinch hit Monday. So I guess that's a good sign for the Marlins. And Nelson Cruz will likely be activated today. So get him in your lineup, right? Uh, Well, you're, it's too late to get him in your lineup. No, if you're in, in, a daily leagues. in daily leagues, you know, I, I might still wait to see a day or two. It, it wouldn't surprise me if he went out and pulled something right away. Yeah, like he was, pull, pulled a two-run homer down the left quick, field line. It was a quick return <laughs> from the injury. Well, yeah, it was. There's, he, yeah. will, he will DH probably quite a bit, which helps him. Should help him, sure. A few more notes, then we'll go into the surprise players. Two home runs for Brent Morrell. So that was on September 12th. He also did that on September 8th. Then he went hitless in three straight games. But for a guy to have two multi-homer games in the last five days, that's pretty odd. Especially for this guy yeah. who does not have very much power. So Maybe, hey. maybe I'll have a Danny Valencia type of end to the season and then end up usable in fantasy next year. Well, we, we can hope. I, I did not look to him to develop power, but somebody to watch for the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he's eight home runs now. Something like that. Roy Oswalt allowed five earned on 11 hits in seven innings. He took the loss in Houston, started in 74% of leagues. Looked like maybe he had turned it around. This is a bad start. Yeah, and there's been he's, – he's just not been very impressive uh, since coming off the DL. I you know, thought he'd be a good start this week, but uh, it's, you know, I, I did not see that coming. You got to like what you saw out of Phil Hughes. Six innings of one-run ball in Seattle. That's three earned runs and 12 innings over his last two outings. Yeah, two outings, and I liked it. But at, at this point in the season, it, it's still hard for me to say, okay, I'm going to get Phil Hughes in my lineup yeah. for the last week of the season. It's it's more about uh, encouraging for next season. He's still probably going to be a decent middle-round sleeper. So let's look at Al's surprise players. Five pleasant surprises, five unpleasant surprises, then we'll go into Scott's. So, Al, here are your pleasant surprises. Lance Berkman, Michael Morse, Freddie Freeman, Melky Cabrera, Doug Fister. So yeah. who do you want to talk about here? Uh, let's start at the top. Start, let's start, start with, with Berkman. Lance Berkman, yeah, who, um, you know, April certainly seems like a long time ago. So uh, this he was one of the later additions to the list. I sort of went back and said, yeah, I really didn't think Berkman was going to do all that much this year. Uh, in fact, my projection for him was 19 home runs, 72 RBI, and a 263 batting average um, over 460 at-bats. Well, he's almost up to that number of at-bats already, and he's just blown those numbers away. So um, it's it's hard to predict, in my mind, where he's going to go in drafts next year because he's in his mid-30s. You know, it's pretty clear he was banged up last year, right. and that was the main source of the decline. So... I don't know. I, I to me, him and Paul Canerco are kind of in the same category. That's actually where exactly where I was going to go with this. And uh, except the difference is that with Berkman, there were some clear health concerns. Yeah, but um, you he's know, he's also in better shape. Berkman yeah. or Canerco? Berkman. You know, he's kind of. I, I, I don't know that I'd go that route. 
Yeah, a guy that they call Fat Elvis. I'm not so sure. <laughs> He's not as fat as he was yeah. last year, though. Yeah. So, but you know, I think Scott makes the key point here that um, you know clearly this was injury related, and I think uh, you know I certainly. Uh, was caught sleeping here because he'd had injury issues for a couple of seasons. And so given his age, you just think, okay, this is just general health and age-related decline, and, and we've seen the best of Berkman, and, and it's we're never going to see it again. So, yeah, intriguing uh, draft decision next year. So I think you just you watch the reports on his health in the offseason, but I think you got to expect something closer to this than what you saw the last two seasons. Michael Morse. Michael Morse, yeah. And this one probably shouldn't have been as much of a surprise, but I remember us having a lot of discussions even a few weeks into the season about his playing time situation and, you know, was he going to be able to stick. But the power potential was always there. Um, that said, he's exceeded uh, certainly my expectations there. I projected 488 bats for him. He's up to 469 already. But I saw only 19 home runs for him. He has 27. So yeah. the power was there, but it's, a, you know, I think I need to take some of the minor league numbers and the, the recent numbers a little more seriously. So, again, for me, it's a trust issue. Obviously, the bad strikeout to walk ratio. Like, is he somebody you draft over B.J. Upton or uh, lower than that? Uh, I would uh, just top of mind. You, I've got a uh, draft pick here, and those are my two choices in my queue. I, I go Morris. Morris or yeah. Berkman? Berkman. Yeah, I, I agree on on both counts. But then, what does that make Berkman? Just to kind of backtrack here, a ninth, tenth rounder. Does it? Uh, what? What? Or is he more like a sixth, seventh rounder? I'd say more sixth, seventh. Because that think, seems kind of early. Because even Canerco this year wasn't going that early. Yeah, I think people didn't trust Canerco at all. Okay. Yeah. So we're saying Berkman then is going to be more trustworthy next year than Canerco was this year. I think he should be. Yeah. I'm on the fence about that, but we'll see. It's hard to know without making up the rankings yet. Yeah, but yeah, no, I'm, well, well, I'm on the fence about that. Take five minutes and make up your diet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Freddie Freeman, Al. Yeah, um, much much better rookie season that I I certainly foresaw with him. Um, now the power numbers are right about where I thought they were, but um, batting 295 right now. Uh, actually, as I'm looking at these, okay, my projections weren't as off as I thought they were, but I had them batting just 276. Uh, let's yeah, see. Progressed a lot faster than, than yeah. I thought he would either. A guy in his early 20s at, at that position, it just didn't seem like he'd be able to hold up. Yeah. And again, you know, we've got a couple weeks left in the season. So, you know, those uh, home run and run production numbers are going to, you know, only go up. So he's, he's just really, as you said, progressed a lot faster than a lot of people, myself included, thought. I would take Eric Hosmer over him next year. Um, are you? In, are we in agreement I would on do, that? Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. Would but, you take Paul Canerco over him? Yeah, I, I'd take Paul Canerco over both of them. I think, but Hosmer's Hosmer's picking it up at the yeah. end here. He he might be uh, somebody who goes a lot earlier than most people think next year. Al's pleasant surprise, Melky Cabrera. Yeah, this may be as far out of left field as mm -hmm. as anybody on my list, um, because I wasn't even sure he was gonna win or hold down a starting job with the Royals this year. It was one of those, you know, head scratchers, you know, what are they doing there in Kansas City? You know, why are they relying on Melky Cabrera when, you know, they got guys like Lorenzo Cain, you know, they've got guys in the minors. Uh, why go with this guy? And and the Royals certainly proved us wrong here. Um, Cabrera had a pretty good season a couple years ago and then pretty bad year last year. And I think a lot of us overlooked 
both the fact that he's still in the development phase of his career and he did show some promise a couple of years ago. And so he really built on that good season. Um, have, you know, currently has 17 home runs. I projected seven for him, uh, although in fewer at bats. So, and the batting average is also much higher than, uh, than the projected. How early are we going to draft him? Honestly, probably not top 10 rounds. Uh, mid mid you know, so teens. So we're yeah. saying less than Berkman, less than BJ Upton, less. Oh than, yeah, less than Hosmer. Possibly, possibly. So, like, I don't know what a fair comparison would be. A- a- Angel Pagan coming into this year, or even because Cabrera was even better than Pagan was last year. So yeah, I think but, that's a pretty fair comparison, though. Okay. And yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Doug Fister. Yeah. Um, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, definitely pleasant surprise. Not that I, I thought that Fister would be bad, and I actually did project him for 32 starts this year, uh, which it looks like he will hit probably right on the nose. But yeah. uh, the, But the big, <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that all that means is that I thought he'd stick in a rotation. That wasn't, yeah. you know, going real far out on a limb. But um, the, the big difference for him is the strikeouts, and he's still not a strikeout guy, but he came into this year looking like, one of the worst guys you could draft for strikeouts. And he's become a mediocre strikeout pitcher instead of just a, a bad one. He has 130 Ks uh, and 197 and a third innings. I projected him for 107 and 200. So, you know, that's big, big improvement. And his ERA is exactly a run lower than what was projected. The whip is much, much lower. So missing a lot more bats. Uh, I'm not looking at the numbers here, but I think getting a lot more ground balls, just a better pitcher than we thought so we'll look at the unpleasant surprises and, and then the next 15 guys we do here al's unpleasant surprises and then scott's 10 surprise players let's just talk about them and whether or not you're buying this season or not so you know is it a, is it an anomaly or how should we approach these guys going into next year unpleasant surprise number one adam dunn followed by carl crawford this is no in no particular order but dunn crawford ethier hanley ramirez brandon morrow let's start with adam dunn Okay, so just, you know, are we looking for a rebound or not? Yeah, you look at the season, and I, okay, even if he plays 162 games next year, he's not going to bat whatever he's hitting, you know, in the 160s or whatever right. it is right now. But are you done with Adam Dunn? <laughs> I think I pretty much am, and I think anybody huh. who drafts him has a chance to get a huge bargain because, you know, he's a year removed from being a reliable 40-homer guy. Yeah. But such a precipitous drop-off, uh, both in terms of just the raw power and in contact, and this contact part is scary because that wasn't a strong suit to start with. Yeah. Uh, I, it's still too early for me for him to, to break down like this, to fall apart like this. I see him as a late-rounder right now, but mm-hmm. I think Dunn is somebody who next spring – the way he's looking then could dramatically change his draft value. Carl Crawford. See, I, I would have no qualms about taking him early next year. This season to me seems like maybe it was the contract or whatever, but he's too good and too young not to bounce back, in my opinion. I mostly agree with you. Um, and he's picked up the pace the last couple couple of months. Um, so his overall stats are really weighed down by that horrible start that he had. That said, um, I would not take him as a first or second rounder as he yeah. was taken in a lot of leagues this year. I, Probably a first rounder in, in most Yeah, leagues, in right? most. In, in some like leagues, he was second. the top outfielder. Yeah, yeah. so uh, third round is when I'd even start to entertain it, and, and I might be reluctant yeah. there. It, it, he might be more like a fourth or fifth rounder, yeah. and I think I'd be reluctant even there because you look at him, in, how old is he now? Early 30s, I yeah. think. And uh, for a guy whose value is completely dependent on speed, and the steals have dropped with the Red Sox. 
even if his batting average gets back up, I just don't know that he's going to be able to fit in there with those elite players. So I have some doubts about Crawford. All right, interesting. Andre Ethier. Al? Yeah, um, just a very, very different season than, uh, you know, what I envisioned. And, you know, now, of course, it's coming to light that this is injury-related. So uh, that said, I don't see him as uh, certainly not a number one or two outfielder. I'd say number number three at best, depending on what news comes out in the offseason in, in terms of his health status. Okay, Hanley Ramirez is on your unpleasant surprise list. Where does he get drafted next year? I think probably still first round. But <laughs> this is uh, going to be one of the toughest no. calls. No, you don't think so? I don't think there. There's been there's way too many first basemen and outfielders, elite level, to go with Hanley in the first round. And I'm not even sure he he he's a definite second rounder. He might See, fall that... into Jose Reyes territory where Jose <laughs> Reyes was entering this season. And to be honest, even if he goes that low, low in quotation mark, I'm not sure I'd want him because. Back-to-back years, uh, missed the end of the season with an injury. Always a guy whose work ethic has been in question and, and his uh, you know where his head's at, basically, if it's really into being a, a base. I'm not sure he has uh, it in him to to have a to rebound to where he was. Well, I, you know, it's funny because you talk about the work ethic and, and the sort of the mental part of it. And I think the thing with Hanley is I think he, he felt like he had something to prove this year after getting so much criticism for not playing through injuries. And I think that's exactly what he did this year is he played a lot of times when he shouldn't have played. And yeah, it's but a big if he's question. getting injured, I mean, it's that's a, a whole separate issue. Well, it is a separate <laughs> issue. And it's a big question mark as to whether or not he's going to be smarter about that in the future. But, um, I don't know that I would take him in the first round, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him as a late first rounder. I would be surprised to see him drop past the second round. Brandon Morrow, Al, your last unpleasant surprise. Yeah, this is a guy who you know didn't have a tremendous season last year, but I thought all the signs were there to be a great value this year. Um, you know, BABIP and strand rates that looked just you know too bad to be true last year, and he was going to come back, and and he's just gone from bad to worse. So um, he's a guy who's an enigma because. He gets a ton of strikeouts, but he's extremely hittable. Or this, that doesn't really make sense. It's going to say hittable on contact. That doesn't make sense. But easy to hit hard on contact. And that's been a consistent trend for Morrow. So um, he's certainly not going to be a guy for a second straight year next year that I'm going to say this is a bargain, uh, better than the stats look. I think he's somebody to, who has upside potential, but you need to be very wary of. And let's look at Scott's surprise players. The good ones, Brandon Beachy, Alexi Ogando, Emilio Bonifacio, Ryan Vogelsong as Drupal Cabrera. Beachy, Ogando, Bonifacio, Vogelsong, Cabrera. Who do you like better, Beachy or Ogando? I like Beachy better, and to me, it, it's a pretty wide gap. Uh, Beachy has is probably been even better than, than most fantasy owners realize when you look at the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Um, over the course of history... Pitchers who've made 20 starts in a season had averaged 10 strikeouts per nine innings and uh, had a 4-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio. It's a very, very short list. We could guess names all day of elite pitchers who we thought had done it and hadn't done it. Al and I went through this exercise. Beachy's doing it so far this season. Really, the only thing keeping him from being a fantasy ace is the ability to extend himself deeper into ball games. And uh, in his sophomore season, I, I think it's it's likely he could take that next step. So um, I, I see him being a top 40 option next year easily. Okay, Emilio Bonifacio, Scott. Uh, Bonifacio, 
we I think I I know I had kind of written him off. Um, speed was his main tool, and he wasn't making the most of it. But since Jack McKeon got there, inserted him in the lineup, made it clear that he Bonifacio needs to be running more. Uh, Bonifacio's taken it to heart and is. I think he's up over 30 steals now in, in what is a, a very short period of time. So a guy who's eligible at shortstop and, and has 50 steal potential, I, we listed those top six shortstops at the beginning of the show. Well, I don't think he could enter Jose Reyes, Hanley Ramirez territory. He might be able to sneak into that Starling Castro, Jimmy Rollins range next season. Um, you going to take him over Jeter? I, I would think I would definitely take Bonifacio over too. Jeter. Yeah, yeah. Cool. All right. Ryan Vogel song. Are you buying this year? Yeah, I'm buying it to a degree. Uh, he it's not like it, it's not like he was an ace. It's not like he was a guy you started every time through the rotation. And I, I think he can still be that guy. Um just he made better use of his secondary pitches this year it was was the main thing I saw. Um, that made him a more complete pitcher, and, and he's been able to maintain it over the course of the whole year. So I, I think he's uh, the breakthrough is is something you could trust, but I don't see any growth potential from here. So we're talking about maybe a, a middle to late rounder next year. As Drupal Cabrera is one of Scott's surprise players, his pleasant surprises. Yeah. So yeah, he had a great year, and you've already said that you you think he's what number three. Uh well no he's been number three this year I would still draft Hanley Ramirez over as Drupal Cabrera next year, and uh, whether or not I draft Jimmy Rollins or as Drupal that one's pretty close I actually am not as confident and as Drupal as I think some people are um, because the the power numbers have kind of slowed down here in the second half he needed to lose something from his batting average to get there and he's a guy who strikes out. 80 times more than he walks and that's always a concern for me it it, it uh i think particularly in head-to-head leagues it it kind of makes him if if there's any slight regression in any of those other categories he could fall a few spots down the ranking so i don't see myself drafting as Drupal cabrera in many leagues next year yet at the same time uh it wouldn't surprise me to see him go in the fifth sixth round range now who would you take rollins or or cabrera next year uh, probably Cabrera, um, just because I trust him to play more. Max Scherzer headlines the disappointment list, the unpleasant surprises. Scherzer, Lomo, Kendry Morales, Giovanni Soto, Martin Prado. Yeah, Morales was pretty disappointing. But <laughs> Scherzer, what do you think? Scherzer, I thought, was the can't-miss elite breakout pitcher this year. Uh, strikeout per inning guy. I forget the exact number, but over like his last 20 starts last year, he had like a 2.40 ERA, and it it just looked like he was about to take that next big step. And I I actually drafted him as an ace in some leagues, and and while he hasn't been awful, he's still been usable in fantasy. Um, it, it's hard not to be disappointed with with the final numbers, the ERA over four. So I don't see myself making that mistake with him again next season. Um, it's is it a cautionary tale, him. though, when you look at Beachy and Ogando, and maybe Ogando's mm-hmm. a little bit older, but is it is it just that these younger guys getting these big workloads, maybe they struggle in the next year? I don't really see it as a work a workload issue for Scherzer. Um, you know, it's not like he's had any, any injury problems pop up or anything. I I, I just think it's, it's, it's one of those things, the yeah. unpredictability of the position 
And uh, I still think if you gave me, if you changed Max Scherzer's name, gave me a different pitcher with those exact same numbers, I, I'd go ahead and do the exact same thing and say, okay, this is going to be the br- big breakout pitcher. But next year, I don't know, looking at Beachy versus Scherzer, just to make that comparison, they might be in about the same range where they get drafted. Maybe we should do that next year, have a, a blind draft, draft the stats <laughs> That's without knowing without the name. The name. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. We should do that. Maybe just a few rounds. I like that. Logan Morrison was a disappointment for you. Yeah, and I don't think he was for most people. Um, his draft position relative to his production has been pretty close. But if anything, I trusted Logan Morrison to hit for a high batting average and to draw a ton of walks. And while he improved power-wise, which I hoped would happen, him declining in those two areas was discouraging for me and the one as hard a time as I gave the Marlins management for sending him down the one thing I heard that made sense was uh I I forget who it was but they said uh, I I I never thought Morrison would be a 240 hitter and I never thought he would either um so again he's going to be a late rounder going into next year Kendry Morales didn't play this year really bothered me (laughs) no he didn't and and it was it looked like he was it, to me it was a no-brainer he was going to be able to play this year and and if maybe at the very beginning he was getting drafted like that for a lot of the preseason fifth round we saw him go um but i think he ended up eating another surgery didn't he mm-hmm. and uh just it's going to be a fool me once shame on you fool me twice shame on me sort of thing i think for uh, Morales, you can't count on anything for him next year, and late round is is probably the earliest he's going to go. He is Peyton Manning, or Peyton Manning is the new Kendry Morales. Well, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Giovanni Soto, Martin Prado, both on your disappointment list. Who has a better chance of bouncing back next year? I am going to say Prado because I feel like his struggles with batting average are, are mostly self-inflicted. Soto, to me, I don't know what's going on with him. He he looks like he was an on-base machine last year, led all catchers in OPS. And uh, this year it's 114 strikeouts compared to 44 walks. The batting average is down to 225, and we've seen him have a big decline like this um, from one year to another. So Soto, uh, a lot of potential, I think, still, but he's going to be awfully hard to trust entering next season. Well, I will trust you guys entering next season. I'll tell you that. Tomorrow is going to be a fun show. We are going to do a mock first round, maybe second round draft. We haven't decided yet, but we're going to do an early mock draft for 2012. We'll be back then to talk about it, and we'll take some of your emails at Fantasy Baseball. No, at DM. I get the the new football email just screwing me up. DM Fantasy Baseball at CBS.com. Follow us on Twitter. So Al Milk. Yes, A-L-M-E-L-C. CBS. Okay, and CBS Scott White. And I have changed my name, my handle, to Adam Azer, A-I-Z-E-R. So follow us on Twitter. We'll talk to you all tomorrow.